Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast where each week, three of us read up on a topic and discuss it from a geeky, nerdy perspective. Mm-hmm. This week, I am your host, Keenan Kosh. You've known me from such works as uh, How to Wear Track Suits with Jeans. And we will be discussing <laughs> Netflix's adaption of Castlevania, along with the theme of video game adaptions. We're going to take a kind of like a rebuttal to what we released uh, before, which is that video games are bad. And I want to like kind of present a counter argument right here. Video game adaptations are bad. I don't think we've ever smeared the good name of <laughs> oh, video sorry, gaming not- on this podcast. <laughs> no, all video games are evil. This is secretly a show about how video games are bad. <laughs> Yeah, not when Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has made me clench so sweetly that my <laughs> Apple Watch recognizes oh, it as no. good, good exercise. I'm actually just trying to move the format over to a more conservative, creationist kind of podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> In the beginning, there was Hideo Kojima. <laughs> and then there was Konami, and then there was Strife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole War of King David. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm joined by two people, each of whom has selected a domain they think connects back to our topic and theme this week, and they are... Hello, my name is Colin Ketchin, and I am going to be discussing Hunt the Truth, a two-season podcast used as marketing material in the marketing campaign for Halo 5 Guardians. I know it seems a little bit roundabout, but I have some points to make. No, no, I, uh, I, I, I listened to, I think, half of that. Because I got into it half of it, and then I like fell out, and then I never. Interesting. I didn't think there would be any awareness of this obscure piece of Halo lore. It's uh, it's Keegan Michael Key, right? It is Keegan Michael Key yeah. and Kobe Smulders. All right. Um, <laughs> and uh, who else do we have here? Yeah, uh, I'm Jonavi. I'm also here, and I'm gonna be talking about a 2010 short film called Pixels. Oh God! Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh. All right. I'm sorry. Any relationship to the Adam Sandler dumpster fire of the same name? Um, when was that? Was that 2015? 2015, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that Wait, movie different? was based on this 2010 thing okay, called Pixels, cool. Um, cool, which cool, is a short film, and it won like a best short film category in 2011 at like an international animated film festival. Oh. So this one is actually like interesting. Like, okay, cool. Because it's shorter, okay. and then it covers a couple of different, like, classic video games, like Space Invaders and Pac-Man and Tetris and whatnot. I would never actually saw the 2015 one. I assume it was very bad. <laughs> so do I. I have not seen it either. Uh, I'm not saying don't, but avoid. Don't, but avoid. Well, I mean, I just think that I'm, I haven't seen it, but I am of the persuasion that, like, everything post 51st dates that Adam Sandler has touched is kind of dookie. It, um, we'll, we'll talk later, but it, uh, so I to say visually, kind of mm-hmm. cool looking, uh, story and everything else. Nah, like, not even Peter <laughs> Dinklage could say that. Right, um, yeah. So, so basically, it was like, kind of like an homage to, or a little bit of like, a love story about 1980s arcade games, because the short film is a little bit more aesthetics focused, and doesn't try and like, smush a stupid plot into its conceit of like bringing video game visuals and stuff into the world dumb plot who needs it uh cool we're going to start by summarizing our topic and domains uh before we openly discuss uh finally we'll close with a competitive rating section to determine who contributed best and i will pick a favorite and whether today's topic was enjoyable my favorite things about the rating section is that it's 10 minutes that i get to clench during recordings Oh. Uh, uh.
right, so let's uh, let's start with the summary. So we're going to summarize Castlevania. For those of you who do not know, Castlevania is an adult animated uh, web television series based on the Japanese video games. When you just describe it as adult animated, you think there's going to be a lot more tentacles and or saxophone involved. That <laughs> Why not both? That is true. Well, it's uh, it's inspired by anime, but it's not <laughs> technically. Just very wholesome squids playing jazz. Uh, anime, you could say it's based primarily on from what I can gather because I I haven't played all the Castlevania games. From mm-hmm. what I gathered, uh, Castlevania, Castlevania three, three, yeah, and then I think a bit of Castlevania: Curse of Darkness, which was two thousand five, and then Castlevania three was eighty nine. Uh, it follows primarily Trevor Belmont, who is the last son of this disgraced vampire hunting family. Basically, Dracula, the vampire. By the way, they're vampires. What is uh, sacking Wallachia, which actually was a real Wallachia. country, which Wallachia, which I actually really enjoyed because Dracula was a real guy. So it's kind of cool that they actually put that in. So basically, Dracula's wife, after he kind of like reforms himself for an episode for about 10 minutes, for about five minutes, he's reformed. He's not murdering people anymore. He has a human wife. He's pretty chill. He's a nice lady. Until his wife is murdered because she's a, she's lady a witch. Of science. Yeah, uh, uh, you mean a witch? I just want to make that clear, listeners. Uh, she's not a lady of science. It was clearly the devil who made uh, cough drops. Anyway, <laughs> 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 no, I, just, I just, I don't know. I like it's kind of weird because, like, you know, you look at the, like the technology event, like the science at the time, and people are like sorcery. And now we're like, really? Like that? That scares you? Yeah. We're doing with designer babies here, but anyway, it's interesting that that in this because uh, the first season of Castlevania, which is what we watched for this episode, is four episodes between twenty-two and thirty minutes each. The first episode like doesn't have the main character. Trevor Belmont yeah. at all. It like is yeah. all following Dracula retaliating against the church for Bishop Frewer murdering his wife and burning her at the stake. And the irony to me is that like if we assume like a grounded physicalist interpretation of history where witches did not exist and the supernatural did not exist, that makes a lot of like the the like the Salem witch trials and things like that of the past pretty questionable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this world, hellscapes, demons, monsters, and magic objectively exist. So I don't really get the beef here when like this stuff is there and actually happening. <laughs> well, I guess there's a difference, and you know, um, usually. Just a quick tangent. Usually in these kind of series, whenever they do do that, Colin, actually, I, I enjoy you how a doo-doo. lot of them, a lot of them bring up the fact that like, oh, this isn't normal. Most of that is just mob fervor and fear. Sure. Trying to, you know, make a statement about like humanity's dark side and yada yada. But eventually, uh, Dekla <laughs> seems to uh, focus, at least the way we encounter him, we seem to focus on Trevor, what? <laughs> do you see Jonathan's screen? Oh, now I see it. That's great. Hey, Johnny. It's just a hand with some drawings on it. I love it. You drew some convincing eyes. Are there lips on there that I'm not seeing? Yeah, they're right there. Oh, shit. Um, Anyway, so uh, Trevor Belmont, who was from the the family Belmont who hunted Dracula and Creatures of the Night for, you know, 
uh, centuries have now been cast out at an undetermined amount of time before, and now he's like this drunk guy. Still pretty buff, though. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still, honestly, that is always, I know this sounds weird, it's my pet peeve a little bit about- Oh, I'm wasting away so much. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's like, are you sure? Because you seem like, you seem to have enough money to keep up your protein intake, and you like work out a lot. I have so many things I want to say, I'm not going to be able to fucking talk, because I'm going to laugh every time John if he's a hand puppet yeah. starts moving. <laughs> Is this distracting? Should I not do this? I can I can persevere. Oh, you've revealed the magic. You have fingers under there. Now I don't believe it. Yeah. So eventually he it's it's Targovista, right? The the former capital of uh Valakia, right? Yeah. Is that where we end up? Alright, so does anyone want to take over like what happens to uh Trevor? Ooh. Trevor Belly yeah. out there? We get like a ten minute bar fight. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That was nope. well. He wasn't. He wasn't in Wallachia. He went. Oh, he was sorry. He was in Wallachia, but he wasn't in Tarkovista yet. This is true, right? And he's he's getting blamed for um, all the stuff that is going on. Like people are like, oh, like the Belmonts were dealing with like dark magic and stuff. Yeah, I was a little frustrated with the bar fight scene where he was he was being confronted by some people in the bar for being a Belmont, and everybody has a very poor opinion of the Belmont family because they were excommunicated yeah. from the church. I was frustrated with it because I think it was actually a very effective character introduction. I'm not one for that Han Solo type intro of just like lurking in the shadows of a bar like I am a I'm a charismatic wayfarer who can do anything. Just wait. But I think that this actually did a pretty good job of saying who he is, what his lineage is, what his responsibilities and reputation are. I just think that the scene went on too long and it tripped over its own feet a little bit. All right, I'll go with that. Uh, I thought it was a very good setup for the humor that came about in Castlevania because <laughs> it had a lot more humor than I than I expected. I a actually lot more really like enjoyed... slapsticky reactionary stuff that, you know, lightened the mood which was pretty necessary. Yeah, it did good with like cutting the uh, cutting the tension because Castlevania in like the action, it's very violent and gory. And you oh know, my god, it's so violent! Uh, a little bit more than I expected, to be honest. But I actually, I thought it was like weirdly tasteful. I know that sounds weird because like <laughs> weirdly tasteful. Yeah, there's certain like you know like gore that's not like all right. It's not, it doesn't feel excessive, but it feels like gory. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No, I agree. Just- I think some of that might come with like some of the the gory parts being. Um, a lot about like killing monsters and stuff yeah because i feel like when you're killing monsters and then also when you have an animation in which you're making some humans look more grotesque than others depending on like the kind of theme you're talking about like it makes it more like oh this is a representation of evil like but a visual cue of that yeah (laughs) more so than like oh you're killing a person brutally yeah in terms of the gore i mean you go pretty standard hey cut off someone's head blood goes everywhere but then you also get a monster is walking around with his dead baby in its jowls and and trevor uses a whip and like removes someone's eye with it like they get a little creative with how grotesque it can be and this is actually a question because i mean for posterity here I have not played Castlevania, let alone Castlevania 3. Have either of you? Uh, I haven't played Castlevania 3. I played, I can't, I honestly cannot remember what Castlevanias I played. I remember playing Castlevania, though. Okay, John of have I have not played any Castlevania, no. <laughs> so then, Keenan, I would like to lean on you. How do you think that this grotesqueness 
translates from the source material? Uh, well, I think because the original sort of games were kind of like they were based off like the horror film stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a more updated take on that, like for more modern sensibilities. Yeah. And of course, when like you killed monsters, there was the classic, you know, like little explosions and like stuff. But it wasn't like... I don't know, like, they would, like, disappear into, like, you know, like, little bits of flames and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't quite remember anything being particularly, like... But then again, we were also dealing with, um... Like, 1989 graphical capabilities. Yeah, and, like, sometimes, like, they would, like, turn into, like, little skulls and stuff, but uh, I think it still translates well for, like, the classic horror Yeah, but, that makes know? sense. And I thought they did that well. Yeah. But basically, back to the, the main plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, Trevor Belmont gets to Targovista which is currently under siege by the Night Hordes, which is an army Dracula has raised. Which I will say the shot of Dracula's castle, the eponymous Castlevania, appearing mm-hmm. in the background. I like that shot. That was freaky and cool. It was so pretty. Yeah, the moving castle. Mm-hmm. He goes there. He faces opposite from the church. He meets a group of speakers, which are these sort of uh, oral historians who go around doing good deeds. And he protects them from the church, who, you know, has kind of whipped up the crowd and the bishop, the same bishop who uh, killed Dracula's wife, is kind of using them as a political crutch to uh, blame them, and he wants to expose all evil. And it's uh, made apparent by stuff he says later that he um, he's like, oh man, this is a chaotic situation in the landscape. I could like emerge as like the, the bishop. Pope. <laughs> yeah, I could be the pope. I could be the super bishop. I don't have to move just on the diagonal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> From bishop to bishop, man. <laughs> Am I right? Catholic. <laughs> the, the, Trevor's journey through the rest of this is, and I didn't expect it from this show, is basically just a series of very in-depth personal conversations with people. Uh, he rescues the speaker's granddaughter from like, uh, what was that, a stone... Like a cyclops. Stone Cyclops' cave. Yeah. Um, which he kind of, he recites the names and characteristics of these monsters like a seasoned D&D player. <laughs> and he also like frustratedly speaks to the monsters like a seasoned D&D player. Like he attacks it and he's like, come on, just die, just die, just die. I actually really enjoyed that aspect. I did. It, it made it feel gamey. It also made him feel like he was... Like a drunk just getting back into this. Yeah. <laughs> he's, all right, he's like, all right, all right, think, 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 think. It's a stone. What do I know about these things? He's just thinking out loud because he's actually, yep. and like we kind of see him through this. He's kind of like, he's mostly drunk all the time and he's not actually that good as he maybe used to be. It's like mm. he said before when he was like confronting these two priests. I may be out of practice, but I'm stone cold sober, which I think was one of my favorite lines. That was a good line. Uh, and eventually, you know, he saves her and then he kind of rallies the people against the night horse and saves the town. Let's him know that Bishop Frewer is a lying scumbag, right? As Bishop Frewer gets eaten by a weirdly kinky hellhound. This is just an empty box. Ooh, that was spooky. <laughs> was, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And if it ends with a fight between the speaker. What's the speaker's granddaughter again? What's her name? Uh, uh, it's Siphon? Yeah, something like that. I, I always hear it like slightly different sometimes, but I think it's it's like Sypha. I do not remember. We have Google at our disposal, but fuck yeah, that. Yeah, Sypha, Sypha Bell, uh, Bellman. Fantastic. Who's also a character in the games. And then they end up fighting. There's a little dramatic irony because they're fighting a vampire and they're like, are you Dracula? But we, the audience, saw Dracula in episode one. So like, we know it's not Dracula, but it turns out Granted, to be Dracula's Yeah, son. in Trevor's defense, no one... 
knew exactly what Dracula looked like. I get his struggle, but I, Colin Ketchin, have seen Graham McTavish as Dracula in episode one. <laughs> I know this is not Graham McTavish or Dracula. Are you objecting to dramatic irony, Colin? <laughs> I'm not objecting to dramatic irony, except that in this case, I don't think it heightens any of the tension. I think it deflates it. Because the tension is they don't know who this is, but there's not, like, mystery around that. It's just lack of knowledge. Well, it fits into the general theme of, wow, most people are dumb and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to try and be nice to them anyway. Except for Dracula, who's like, nah, fuck humanity. But are we going to work with this person kind of a thing? The conversation was great, yeah. It turns out to be the son of Dracula. Yeah, Alucard. Achilles. Aphis. Adrian. A- Agamemnon. Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Dracula. Adrian Alucard Tepesh. <laughs> no, his name's, his name's just Adam. Adam. Just, it's like a really normal name. Yeah. My name Vladim. is Steve. Uh, Vladim. Uh, it <laughs> turns out he went against his father when his mother first died because his mother, while she was being burned, was like shouting to like the sky to forgive them. They mm-hmm. know not what they do. Actually, I, I, I really, I want to really like, uh, I really appreciated Emily Swallow. I believe that's her name. The actress who played Lisa Tepesh when she was bringing Bird alive. That was just a really, for me, a yeah. really heartfelt scene because she's like screaming to the heavens to like not do it. And she's like, he was doing so well, you know, like, she, yeah, she just thought about, you know, how well Dracula was doing. I definitely categorize the show as ballsy, one, for starting it off with that scene you've just described, but also for spending a first season that consists only of four episodes, essentially as a prologue, because it ends with Vladim, Trevor, and Magic Lady coming together as a posse being like, let's go get Dracula, and that's the end. Uh, well, actually, um, it turns out Warren Ellis, they went through a few different, like, scripts. Yeah. Um, He actually actually started to get uh, frustrated. Because mm-hmm. he would send them off to Konami, and Konami would like send them back and be like, "Change this." Mm. And apparently, they had to do this enough times that he like commented on it. But apparently, uh, he originally wrote it kind of as like, a weird trilogy, like he wrote it out as in like three parts. Yeah, uh, which is like normal, like twelve episodes. That's a that's a yeah. typical kind of anime, you know, animated OVA kind of you know season. And this was designed to be the first part. And what I liked about it is it actually didn't require mm-hmm. any previous knowledge, and it also uh, could have been. On its own. Did any of you guys watch Beyond the four episodes? I did not, but for time, we do have to wrap up the summary as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was just about to say. So they head off and uh, they do their things. Yeah. And that is basically uh, Castlevania. I would highly recommend it. Why did you pick that for the topic? I picked it for the topic because, in my opinion, this is a video game adaption that, one, in my, like I said, in my personal opinion, did it very well. And two, has received such acclaim from so many sources, all sorts of like Gameek, IGN, Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes has the first season on 80%. Nice. So there's just so many comparisons. Metacritic gives it, you know, also generally favorable reviews, I believe. Um, I think it's 71 is their average score. That's pretty good. And also the fact that, like I said, like, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the four episodes were released and almost inst- like the same day or the next day, it was renewed for a second season. And it happened again when the second season came out. They renewed it for a third season. Nice. Just because of how much people seem to have enjoyed this. The uh, showrunner, uh, Adi Shankar, has now been kind of greenlit for both an Assassin's Creed series and a Devil May Cry series kind of in that same vein and we'll talk more about him later because I, I have some things to say about him 
But I, like I said, I wanted to talk about him because I thought this is an example of what video, uh, video game adaptions could be. And I wanted to find out if you guys felt the same way and maybe like dissect why this became a success despite being a video game adaption. Cool. <laughs> Next, we will be moving on. Moving on. You know, to uh, some domains. So this is the part where our representatives get to summarize what they brought to the table. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with Colin. Keenan, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm really happy to be here. I heard what you said about Castlevania, and I have some counterpoints I'd like to make using the vessel of Hunt the Truth, the 2015 podcast I didn't know you were bringing this, and once again, I'm very excited about it. So the reason I wanted to pick Hunt the Truth... Hunt the Truth. ...is because Hunt the Truth is very good. It is. Hunt the Truth is a story that follows the character of Benjamin Durad, played by Keegan-Michael Key. Halo being a futuristic uh, science fiction franchise set about 500 years in the future. By the way, it's Halo. The, the, this journalist, <laughs> Benjamin Durad, is trying to follow news coverage surrounding something called the Spartan 2 program and a specific soldier named the Master Chief. I don't want to go into all the Halo lore, but the Spartan 2s are super soldiers, and Master Chief is maybe the most famous among them. What about Fred? No, the, that's too much lore. <laughs> Fred's in Halo 5. And now he is. I think ruined him a little bit, but anyway. So Halo 5 Guardians is the game that this was supposed to promote, and all of the promotion around Halo 5 Guardians centered on the central character of Master Chief, who is one of the most iconic video game figures <laughs> in history. And the, the promotional campaign was like, Master Chief is now a wanted criminal. And you're constantly getting commercials and ads and, and promos that are pitching his side as well as the side of the other soldiers that are hunting him down. And it's called Hunt the Truth because it's like, what really happened with Master Chief? And everyone, I remember the day that those trailers came out, um, kind of a big deal. A lot of people were confused because we got different perspectives on this pretty stable reliable character and what hunt the truth does is it it goes into a reporter unearthing facts about these super soldiers the controversies behind their development and one of the biggest incidents was uh there was this tape of some like congressional or government meeting or something and Spooky. Footage makes it seem like yeah, so spooky, right? <laughs> Ooh, the Congress. Footage makes but it for real, seem though. like for real. Like Master Chief was assaulting civilians. And then it's revealed that he's not. Now that sounds pretty Doctored boring. Doctored footage from the government. <laughs> no way. But yeah, but then it's like, it's kind of a red herring because that's not what the video game ended up being about. Oh, really? Yeah. And even so, the story of this person investigating Master Chief, an actual mystery around this character, was really intriguing. The voice acting was phenomenal. The reliance oh, yeah. on the universe was very good. The sound design was well-produced. Like, this came from people with a lot of money and creativity who wanted mm -hmm. to make a good podcast. The game, Halo 5, had a pretty disappointing <laughs> campaign. And I don't want to say it's a bad story. I like the plot quite a bit, but the game it has... It doesn't fit, I've heard. Yeah, the game has eight main characters, and you don't really get to know any of them super well. So the events are cool, but the characters 
kind of aren't, which is disappointing. Which is a shame. Because you've got Nathan Fillion in there. How the hell are you not going to fall in love with Nathan yeah, Fillion? Yeah, because, like, uh, I've only read some of the books. I'm not nearly as knowledgeable as you. And I've talked about more with my father, who read all of them. And I, frankly, loved Spartan Fred. Yep. And I remember one of the first conversations I had with you about it when it first came out. Uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm, I want to get it. I want to, like, you know, get it for, like, the Xbox or whatever because Spartan Fred, who was my favorite character in the books. Mm-hmm. He's very cool. He's the highest Yeah, he was cool. Spartan. He saved Master Chief when he was just a rookie. Yeah. And I found out he was in, he was barely in the game. The, or like, yeah. He wasn't really ever present. You do play the game from the points of view of somebody chasing Master Chief and of Master Chief himself. But the drama of him being hunted dissolves after about the third mission in the game. You get a cool cutscene where they have a fist fight. It's a very good fist fight. But the remaining 60-70% of the game is not about that. And I think that they had such a good pitch for the promotional material that the game did not deliver on. And if it's a red herring, I get that. But the reason I wanted to bring Hunt the Truth is because I think it's a weird example of pretty poor video game decision or at least a poorly executed video game decision that was made better by an adaptation in a different medium and hunt the truth and halo 5 tell different stories but i would rather listen to hunt the truth than watch halo 5's story played out as a cutscene. the gameplay of halo 5 is like pitch perfect love it but yeah that's that is my piece on that um i i also do you think you would have expected less from halo 5 had you not seen the promotional materials that you thought were really good i think i would have expected something different not necessarily something less i don't think the story of halo 5 is bad like i said i think they have a great Mm -hmm. plot they're building on the universe well the levels are fun like it's it's engaging Mm -hmm. and beautiful and varied but i think the two issues were you had promotional material that did not reflect the game and the promotional material was really 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 good and then you also have some stumbles in the way that the game actually delivered that content. Yeah, to you. I didn't. I didn't know it. I didn't know this. This the reveal or whatever happened so early in the game. I knew eventually it was like just kidding, but uh, very early in the game. That's very early. Oh, that is a bit of a bummer, you know. Um, hmm. Is there anything else you would like to add, uh, real quick, hmm. onto your uh, domain? Well, I think the other reason. I was interested in choosing this is because I haven't played Castlevania. Um, I actually have a friend who collects old video games. And the other day I was like, do you happen to have Castlevania 3 uh, Curse of Va- of uh, Dracula? Dracula's and and he was just like, oh, for NES? Yeah, I just bought that a couple days ago. And I was like, sweet. So I almost played it, but I didn't. Oh, shame. Rude. <laughs> I, I didn't have time. I... I haven't played Castlevania, so I kind of wanted to take an approach to this conversation that didn't really rely on like a one-to-one adaptation of material, rather a representation of a fiction, where Hunt the Truth is not an adaptation as much as it is like supplemental material. Hmm. All right. That's a good point. Like, because there, now that you bring it up, that that is a... There is a wide and substantial difference between we want to adapt something into this, which puts a lot of pressure on what the material has to be versus whether something is going to be supplemental where mm. or, like it doesn't quite matter what it is or not. Yeah. As long as it, you know, is good and relates enough. Yeah. So as good as it, good as yeah. it fits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. Yeah. Good as it fits, you know, uh, well, <laughs> We'll put a pin in, the, in that thought process Gross. until uh, the discussion. 
Uh, next we have Jonavi and Jonavi. What uh, what are you gonna? What do you what do you, what do you, what do you ask? Right. Us? So what I have for you is literally a two minute long short film <laughs> called <laughs> Pixels. A lot to work with. That was uh, a short film that was released in 2010, which later spawned the somewhat unfortunate. 2015 longer film called Pixels, which did not do so hot. <laughs> let's not say somewhat unfortunate. Let's just say unfortunate. And instead of saying feature length films, can we just say long films? Um. Okay. Long, it's right. If, 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 if that would make you feel better, we've got a it point. We, if we're if we're gonna you know if we're gonna like have a consistent uh, uh, vocab, we need to we need to start calling them long films. <laughs> I'm a log filmmaker. Gross. Gross, <laughs> gross, gross. Let's get it back to Jonavi. We're ruining this. Sure. Anyway, so um, I'll describe to you how the how the two minutes goes, but I would encourage people to, you know, find it somewhere. It's probably on YouTube somewhere and watch it for themselves. Anyway, in New York City, a dude, like, throws away this, like, big, chunky, like, 1980s television TV, um, throws it away, and then, like, walks away. And then after a bit, the TV suddenly turns on and then you see this like little 8-bit picture of a bomb. And then when the fuse on that bomb runs out, the TV explodes and there's a cloud Whoa! of these 3D pixels like going everywhere and they fly over man. 3D pixels are called voxels, fun fact. So oh. uh, They're called 3D pixels. Oh, let's, sorry. Let's, My let's bad. get that straight. Okay, pixels, but imagine a 3 instead of the E. <laughs> so you have a 3D represented. Um... <laughs> So these these things fly they fly, like, fly over the New York City si- sidescape and then it releases like characters from 80s arcade video games and then you get like space invaders shooting downwards and then like the projectiles like explode a, de- a delivery truck and two taxis and then when these things like explode they degenerate into just pixels and then like a cloud of these uh voxel pixel things um, fly into a subway station and then they form into a Pac-Man which eats up subway trains as it travels through these tunnels. That's rough. And then like it, its progress is shown on like the subway display kind of like <laughs> how cleared away dots like, I like pop that. up on the actual game. That's very That's funny. funny. Then you get these giant Tetris tiles like matching up with skyscraper floors <laughs> and then one building gets like filled up and then that eliminates several of the floors of the building so the building's top like falls over. <laughs> Because the lines have been cleared in the Tetris game. <laughs> Mass death. <laughs> <laughs> then you get, like, Arkanoids come and, like, destroy the, the bricks in the Brooklyn Bridge. And then the bridge collapses. That's Brooklyn. Um, then you get Donkey Kong. He, like, throws a barrel from the Empire State Building. <laughs> um, flattens, like, a traffic light. Breaks off a fire hydrant. And then suddenly starts spraying pixelated water. So you have this general ongoing thing of like. General all right, These thing. 80s like arcade things are like destroying stuff and turning that stuff into pixels. And then finally there's this um, giant pixel bomb. And then when it explodes everything around it instead of being destroyed it just becomes pixelated. So then this mm. sort of reverberates out through the entire like city and then the entire planet and then it just changes into a giant, like, voxel. And then it just continues to rotate as it drifts out into space. And then the end credits of this two-minute short film are, like, shown as a high score list. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. That's actually pretty fun. I yeah. enjoy that. That sounds like a much better two-minute film than a 130-minute film. Yeah. And then 
so the the general like conceit of of each yeah, of these like, like of each of these um um elements with that they brought in different 80s arcade games was like how am i going to take this two dimensional visual that you like you're playing translate that action into three dimensional activity and then furthermore highlight how destructive it would be scaled up in a particular fashion hmm. and then doing this general thing of like all right now everything's pixels we're pixels now bye <laughs> <laughs> so right. um i found it very charming i i really like short media because it sort of forces a lot into a smaller attention span kind of all right all right it's compact and i like the way that it has taken like kind of the the feel and the charm of 80s arcade games and has focused kind of like on the visualness and like the physicality of what these particular things are as opposed to thinking about things like oh well what about the character and like what about the plot and like what about these other storytelling elements what about the plot <laughs> yeah like this is just like okay you you kind of get an, an indication of what the plot of this thing is because they start out with like oh here's a bomb <laughs> like here's a ticking All little right. bomb and then here we're we're unleashing this pixelated madness out into the world and then <laughs> you know it ends with okay check we are now pixel <laughs> so like it, it the the idea of pixelation and the visuals of pixelation sort of tied into the these like destructive themes it's kind of it's a lot of destructive fun which is something that i like relate to i like when things get destroyed but it's in a way that's like woohoo and not in a way that's like oh no melodrama time so maybe that like avengers style hey the city's getting destroyed but we're having fun versus fun. you know the grim dark disaster porn movies of like oh no no right, there's a boulder look out y yeah like i mean i don't mind either or in moderation but like this brings such a life and brightness and fun to something being destroyed that like <laughs> i don't feel like i get a lot like in other kinds of media so anyway that's what i brought to talk about Ooh, all right cool So, uh, now that we've uh, kind of, like, talked about our domains, we have, like, kind of topics, let's move on to the discussion. Blah, blah, um, blah. Wh wow. <laughs> can't say that on public I'm access. really rude. I'm sorry. You know. Um, now, uh, for those, uh, now, because, now, I wanted to talk about, our, guys, real quick. First, did you think, like, Castlevania was good kind of period? Or, you know, did you think it was good for an adaption? Which I think is, um, you know... I know you guys are like kind of limited here, but I do kind of want to ask: Do you guys enjoy it at least? You know. Well, I, I, we should say questions about enjoyment should be saved for yeah. the ratings. All right, uh, then I would like to know: uh, Did you guys know? And did you guys watch that little like optional video that I sent you about uh, Adi Shaka? Yes, yes, I did. I uh, did not. I uh, think well, I missed it. <laughs> well, basically, uh. I put it in the uh, Facebook. It's um, he's an Indian American film producer, mm -hmm. a YouTube personality, and occasional actor. Um, I didn't know about him until I really started researching Castlevania for this podcast. Okay. But it turns out I actually know a lot of his work. Okay. Um, he was the showrunner for this, and he actually, um, what I found interesting is that he made this thing called the Bootleg Universe One-Shot Films. There are all these series of 
short films or you know not long films as mm-hmm. you know um <laughs> where they, he kind of you know and they're all really nerdy things um one of them i actually like i saw when it first came out i didn't realize this mm-hmm. was him the same guy it's called the punisher dirty laundry it's basically thomas jane uh this was in 2012 um thomas jane reprising his role as the punisher from 2004 Okay. Uh, doing laundry while he's like witnessing crime go on, but like he's not going to stop it. But then he finishes doing I his laundry that. and he, like goes, yeah. And they're all like these really weird nerdy stuff. He has one about Venom, uh, Judge Dredd. He also uh, wait, what did he do on Judge Dredd? Well, he did a a short film in two thousand four called Judge Dredd Super Fiend. But he also uh, exec. I think he produced. He was the executive producer of the new Dredd two thousand twelve. With Carl, wait, really? Yeah. yeah, and he also was that's so the, good, right? He was also the executive producer of The Gray. I like him already. Um, he did Lone Survivor, A Walk Among the Tombstones, Killing Them Softly. Uh, he I will not say anything poor about his uh, filmmaking pedigree. Um, so there's a magic trick in Castlevania, which is I cannot stand anime as like as as a style and a genre there's so much about it and i was able to get through this show there were a lot of points where i wasn't actually watching the screen which sort of helped but like there's he he managed to make a product that was good and spoke to me in spite of the intrinsic things that i did not like about it um however the small three minute video that you showed me of him being interviewed by netflix producers uh, did him no favors in my eye oh, as, a weirdo. holy shit, the biggest YouTube douche attitude I've ever seen. A little bit. He is mm-hmm. either committed to a bit or absolutely off his rocker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I mainly wanted to bring him up because of uh, his kind of record with nerdy franchises. And yeah. in some aspects, a he also made like one of his... He also made, like I said, his bootleg universe are a bunch of these nerdy stuff that he actually said that he liked doing more. These like these web yeah, he liked doing short films more than he liked doing like the big films. And then one of his other really big one is like Power Power Slash Rangers, which is that you know dark reimagining with James Vanderbeek that you heard about for a little bit and then like it disappeared from your mind and then the new one came out. Um, wow! So did he have any involvement in the Elizabeth Bank Power Rangers film? I don't believe so, but I mm. could be wrong for all I know. I'm not seeing anything on like Wikipedia or anything in any yeah. sort of like articles about it. But um, I just wanted to say that like the thing is, um, so he for some reason mm-hmm. has found a way to make like video game kind of like nerd franchises make the jump to other media, okay. which is something that we I think historically uh, in the at least the cinema universe, cinema you know hit, uh, 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 industry mm-hmm. has had a real hard time doing. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, like you know. Really? Yes, because it's always a question of like how good is it really when you come right down to it. Uh, more recently, it's been it's I would argue that it's been getting a lot better. But like in terms of video, better. Games, yeah, video games like, in particular have you know other other sources are kind of like for whatever reason easier to adapt. Like, comics have always had, you know, mm-hmm. really good success, uh, depending on, you know, who you ask, of course. Um, but then there's still, you know, the super fans versus the fans versus the casual fans versus the people who never seen anything. But going more in general is that he seems to have, like, done it. So what about Castlevania? 
mm-hmm. made it, you know, what could be at least, you know, attributed to successful. I'm not going to ask you guys for, like, good or bad. Yeah. But, like, what do you I, think I made think this successful? I, well, uh, we are sort of hampered in that we didn't play the game itself, so we can't speak to that sort of experiential Well, jump. I can at least tell you I that can, it's not a but... direct adaption. Yeah. Of any well, yeah, I, I noticed you know? that. Um, so then it is more like kind of what Colin was talking about earlier with it being more of a supplement to round out the kind of universe and the world that's represented or was yeah. was introduced by by Castlevania. I, yeah. I think what Castlevania did right, and this is so subjective because this, this is the terminology all nerds throw around with video game adaptations, is um, I think what this show did right is... It didn't let itself get bogged down by the the minutia of what made the game the game. Mm-hmm. It took inspiration right. from it and translated it into a different medium. I think the fact that it was uh, styled as an anime sort of helped because it's able to play on this foundational understanding of a different thing. It's not like a movie where your only point of reference is the source material. It, it, it is able to then strike a balance between anime and Castlevania and sort of appease both parties. Um, and it can where, be melodramatic in 80s, and you're not bothered that much by it because it kind of fits. And, yeah. and that's it. Is I think that they, they found a different framework, the anime sort of culture, that complemented this very well. Were this live action and written and shot exactly the same way? I, I, I don't know if it would have worked quite I'll as well them. as an yeah. adaptation, but I think that by... There was a, an aesthetic relationship existing, kind of, between yes. the kind of thing that Castlevania was mm-hmm. and what they were trying to do with it in the medium of, like, the, the anime that was created. So, like, yeah. the, as, a, as a translation, they were already kind of like, okay, like, maybe we're, maybe we're German and English and we're not, like... Japanese and Malaysian, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the another thing that stood out to me was sort of the story structure of these four episodes where we have uh, once we get to episodes 2, 3 and 4 where Trevor Belmont is the main character, we have him going to the speakers, going to rescue Magic Lady and then Vladim and each of these different interactions <laughs> he has. That, that's all it's going to be. That's, that's all right. I remember. I don't um, know, but Vla- he- Vladim makes me think of pickles. I don't know why. What? Like Vlas pickles or something? Oh, okay. But yeah. anyway. Okay. <laughs> Your weird pickle obsession. The, uh, learned a lot about you. So what? What? we've got <laughs> Vladim and Magic Lady. And his encounters with them, they feel sort of segmented in the way a modern Western action role-playing game would be. Where you have a mission giver, you have a mission, you return to the mission giver, then you go on another mission... And, like, this sort of back and forth was not cumbersome at all in a show setting, but I was noticing it felt weirdly rigid. And then I was like, it feels like this guy's going on video game quests. Oh, oh it's a, all right. Oh, right it's a, that's cool. It's a, it's a video game. Okay, that makes sense. But, ironically, this is based on uh, Castlevania Three, which is not so much an RPG as Castlevania Two and Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which spawned the Castle, uh, the Metroidvania subgenre. Metroidvania. So, sort of borrowing from the spirit of the franchise and its reputation, rather than that specific source material. Is that so, good or yeah. bad? 
I think it's good for the product. I think it's only bad if you're a purist. But I think All it right. is. I think it is good for. Yeah, but purists purists won't like adaptations in general anyway. Oh no 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 so. never. Which tell that to I mean, Watchmen. Wait wait no that's right. They also hated that Watchmen was yeah. too much uh, people. It was too accurate. Yeah no nothing's ever gonna make anyone happy. Um, I oh, I think so it helps nihilistic. me as someone. I, I don't play Castlevania, but I am just a little bitch for Metroidvania games that are based <laughs> off of that mission structure. Oh. Uh, not that the show enumerates, but... Are you so. a bitch-up, though? I'm All not. right, so, you, so uh, just to kind of like round out. Um, so what you're saying is that perhaps its success is not in being a direct adaption, but more in being an in-spirit of adaption, because like in the games, I got the very, like a theme of the show was very good versus evil, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, to me, always kind of stood out in the games because, you know, you're playing, you know, a monster hunter and you're hunting, you know, um, like monsters. And even though they modernized it, which I thought was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Because... Well, I, yeah, yeah. C- comparing it to Hunt the Truth, I think they both succeed in the way that they sort of set themselves... They sort of set themselves loose from the shackles of their source material by saying this takes place in a slightly different context. Uh, and Which the audio you have thing, to do different... because there has to yes. be a reason why you're putting it in a different medium. Yes. Yeah. So it, allo- it, it, it allows the creators to do the thing that they want to do. Uh, whenever you're bound by anything, it can really disrupt your process. The, um, the, the good and evil thing, I actually really enjoyed for the first three episodes, uh, first three episodes, for the last episode, that scene where the kinky hellhound was eating Bishop Frewer. Um, that actually kind of ruined it for me. And maybe it's just cause like, I'm an angsty, angsty masochist, like all other white American men where like it, it clearly said who is the good guy and the bad guy. The monsters told the Bishop, like you are evil and you caused this. There was no question about what the good and evil were. The show clearly stated it, which might not be a bad thing, but to my angsty masochistic sensibilities, I'm used to that inner tumult that movies are supposed to give you about who's Uh, right and who's wrong. Well, I would argue that you still kind of get that because with the whole good versus evil, they do have a way of not exactly... I won't say turning it on its head, but giving it a twist because Dracula is a very I'm, 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 well. I don't know about you guys, but I found him a very sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, we knew he did terrible things, he admits, like, well, that's not really me anymore. I'm kind of bored of that stuff. And he found love, and then that was taken from him. And so we can kind of understand why. Then JK, he's doing I'm this. not bored. I'm pissed now. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, but also that it kind of Bye. once again kind of like <laughs> makes it a bit more complex of this good receive because even the church. Uh, who we would think would be the good guys, uh, kind of spun as not the good guys. That there's not really a whole lot of good in them, and that really the only good guys are our guys, which is mainly mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi. So once again, like, I think it's not like to say like we're a cult, but a not, really big cult. <laughs> yeah, it's not a direct uh, like line that they draw for good versus evil. It is still good versus evil, but it's it's a little fuzzy the size. Yeah, I, I would I say always, that it was I, to, I enjoyed. To, to me it was reading more like, hey, guess what? Everyone's shitty. Here are some people who are trying to not be shitty. Yeah. Like that was more what it was for me. It was just like how can you find goodness right, so like or how, how can you be drawn yeah. to goodness in in such situations where you have like 
um, a not like they're like the thankless job of protecting the human populace. Mm-hmm. And which I have, think the show yeah. was able to describe with a level of dimension and clarity that I was really surprised by, mm-hmm. which again, really only comes from the creative team on this show openly interpretate, interpreting the source material, which Hunt the Truth, same thing. It's sort of a conspiratorial unraveling of the citizens looking at these super soldier forces and how they play into these larger yeah. government corporate machinations. Yeah. And, and I, it, 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 yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then, like, I like the, um, Colin, I like how Hunt the Truth stuff as far as, like, the people and the government, but is is sort of echoed in, in the themes of the, the Castlevania show because it's, like, mm-hmm. the people and the church and that, yes. like, relationship that you have between, like, are you who are you giving power and influence to by your attention? And like yeah. by like what you're doing, so I think that that the difference is a good being parallel. yeah, but yeah. Castlevania is like I said one of the few things I've seen take such a clear articulated stance on this is the good and this is the bad. It was at once refreshing and frustrating, which might just be I think how that's also like a very a '80s approach. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the '80s, like light, dark, light, dark. Gonna yeah, be so, good, gonna be bad. There's a very clear good and in high school. Yeah. If they had introduced a like a character or someone that was a representative of the church but was like could be classified as like a good guy, I think then that'd be a little bit more muddled. That but you're right. They did kind of say like, you know, don't trust the church or the priest or pretty much yeah. anyone that's kind of with them. Yeah. No, I'm not all, saying you know, I'm not trying to defend the Catholic Church and their actions, especially at this point in history. <laughs> I'm speaking strictly from like a historical perspective. No, that's even harder. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's do a historical literature interpretation. Pope um, Urban the Third did nothing wrong. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, continue. But you you just you would have liked a little bit more. Uh, not a, I don't want to say subtlety, but a certain level of um, interpretation, like a little bit more gray. You know? No, I think I think I think mostly what this uh, delineation did. Of like the show taking a strong stance between yes, good, yes, sympathetic character, no, not sympathetic. I think what it not did was that it made it <laughs> <laughs> it made it very uh, what you call it candy bar. It it made it 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 made it a little bit more juvenile. Like despite mm. the dis- very adult. despite the gore in it, yeah, it made it more eighties for me. That the fact that they did that, that like this is more not, '80s for me. Yeah, like <laughs> that's it, a license plate. It, it it sort of had the effect of like sort of making characters more like archetypes and less like individually fleshed out characters because everything yeah. was so clearly like presented and introduced and delineated. And that's kind no, of that's a, a that's that's an aesthetic choice. That's a that's an aesthetic storytelling choice of like this is the kind of like classicism i want to i want to follow yeah like a little bit all right i get you um i would say though that if you guys are interested in more of a you know more development of the characters watch the second season which actually deals a lot with dracula's inner court which is very interesting interesting pierce dromare shows up i love that man oh Uh, cool everything shows up but anyway um i was going to say that i do agree with you guys that it does come to boil down a little bit um to a substrate yeah, a little bit, just because, like, you know, uh, 
Um, just because, but I do think that it's also, this is also one of the flaws of the reviewers and stuff. Everyone who really watched it had is that it's only four episodes mm. and it felt like we could have done a lot more with more episodes, um, which we do end up doing. We do a lot more and you know, but I do want to point out, this is actually a, an opinion I've always held, um, that I don't think a good three-dimensional character needs to be sympathetic you know i i would um, agree with you because i feel like there's always like this urge to like make those two things go hand in hand because like for example the bishop you know played mm-hmm. wonderfully by what is it matthew uh Ferber, or what's matt matt frewer matt Furrer, who Furrer. does uh, he's, he's haunting and he's wonderful he's got this, this 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 quiet voice and like it's terrifying um, but anyway, like I said, the voice acting across the board, amazing. Um, well, that's because you got two dwarves in it. <laughs> but anyway, you got um, Thorn and Dwalin. You know, but I just wanted to say that I thought that he was very three dimensional. You know, he didn't think he wasn't just trying to do yeah. evil for evil. He was trying to like clean the country, and even though he was like morally, you know, in the black, um, I could still see his relation. But I didn't find him sympathetic, which I think I, that's I, that's that's the villain I like to see. Because yeah. I feel like nowadays there's always a push to make the villain kind of sympathetic. I I tend to prefer. I, I think that people. I think what people need is an understandable villain, and yeah. sympathy is the shortcut to that understanding. Yeah, like, oh, he that a lot of people upbringing. latched onto. Yeah, um, but just because where he's sad I think you can have understandable evil. villains that aren't sympathetic, which is why in the Silmarillion, Melkor slash Morgoth of the J.R.R. Tolkien universe yeah. is like my favorite fictional character of all time. You don't like him, but you understand it, and it's so much more compelling. Right, and I mean, yeah. like you can clearly see with the bishop, like his thing is he has a vision for how the oh, world good. is supposed to be, yeah. and he's super yeah. into power. <laughs> So, I mean, he, he's kind of, like, representative of a very, um, oh, this is a toxic patriarchal tradition-y thing. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what drives him. Well, actually, I'd, uh, I'd recommend going further into the series because they kind of develop on a theme that started with the bishop, which is more like, I mean, they kind of start off and they're like, are vampires really the bad guys here? Which one, as, uh, as you guys know, as a keen codish, uh, vampires are always the bad guys. Let's get that straight <laughs> right away. Uh, <laughs> as a mon- monster hunting purist, no. uh, classical <laughs> interpretations of uh, <laughs> monster hunting is pure. Anyway, no. The point is, um, you know, they developed that further, and I think once again, the, a real issue with the series was that it's only three bloody episodes, and I don't. Uh, sorry, four. Like basically three. You know, basically three. The f- yeah. No, it's just, um, it's really short, and I just think that there was such, thank you. Uh, like, I don't know why they didn't, like, just green, like, have more right away, but, you know. So, yeah. actually, I have a question for Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask a question, too, but I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah, because I said it first, so that's how this works. So, Jonathan, question. So, <laughs> motherfucker! Query! Yeah. Fucking vampires. So. <laughs> Fucking vampires. There's, a, there's uh, lots of well, books was, about that. You <laughs> twilight and if depending on how you read it 50 shades of gray so no i was going to ask you just very quickly i don't know if you have any opinions on it you were talking about aesthetic earlier and the short film pixels is pulling from 80s video game aesthetic this is also based on an 80s video game oh this actually ties in to what i was going to say too yeah i'll I'll add 
<laughs> well, actually, no, that's all I was going to say. If that's a springboard to Keenan's question, Swan Dive off of me, Actually, yeah, this is, this is good then, uh, because the art style for um, this series is heavily influenced... By I believe it's Castlevania Curse of Darkness mm-hmm. or Sympathy of Night. I can't remember which one it is, but they use a lot of the art styles for the characters. It sounded like you said Sympathy of the Night. <laughs> the Sympathy of the Night, which also I prefer like Understandable Nights over yeah, Sympathetic uh, Nights. Uh, I want my nights to hurt me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the night is bad and should always just be bad. No. Uh, uh, Ooh, I should straight. The night my is feelings. bad. No. <laughs> Have you heard my theory about the dark? No. Uh, anyway, the point is, um, they heavily took a lot of like the art style from the games. Mm-hmm. So, in adapting video games in particular, do you think uh, art style and style choices are important? And do you think that is like because you said you really liked pixels, and that was just kind of the main focus of pixels? So, like art style. What too. I liked so much about pixels was that it took an aesthetic and then it had a clear transition of something that went from like, okay, this these are two-dimensional games. We're going to bring them into three-dimensionality and we're going to take like the destructive intent of so much of these games and bring them into the real world and like out of a game environment. So what I liked a lot about it was the way that it it had a little mini dialogue and narrative about the aesthetics. Like it took the yeah. siloed off world of the environment of an eight, a, tra- a classic eighties arcade game. And it put it into, into something new and something different. And even though it was only two minutes long, it was like a great little feasty adventure. <laughs> um, so I, I think that the style and the visuals and stuff are all, important components of the larger thing, which is like the feel and the aesthetic of, of what you get with particular, with particular games. And that's what people get nostalgic for. Like people get nostalgic for the feeling that they had when they were playing something or when they were, they were doing something. And the, the style and the aesthetic kind of become like a, like little, little cues to having people feel that kind of feeling again. The, like signals. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're uh, they're the little tags so, in the roll index of yeah. your heart. <laughs> I <laughs> so so based on that because I would like to answer your question too, Keenan. Oh yeah. Um, based it's on that, I'm I'm assuming that you are of the position that Castlevania, based on what Jonavi has said, does the right job by pulling cues from the game to invite you into this nostalgic journey. You think it does represent the original? I think it marries the aesthetics well, or it seems to. So where Pixels merges pixel art with the real world, Castlevania is merging the original game's style and franchise style with, like, anime conventions. And modern storytelling. Yeah. Modern storytelling. I think it is very important to strike a balance there because this is being recorded at a time where we have not seen any trailers for the film, but we have seen a poster for an upcoming film adaptation called Sonic the Hedgehog, where those gloveless hands and muscular fuzzy blue thighs are really, really causing me, a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, a lot of distress. (laughs) 
And as not a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, it's causing me a lot of distress as well. It's so <laughs> distressful. It's very know. upsetting. It's just, and it's, it's it's exactly what I thought that they were gonna do because they're looking at how do we take this strange style and merge it with real world stuff. And, like, I think they're going to... It's not necessarily a good dialogue because it's trying to be a straight translation. Correct. It's It's not trying to emulate the feel. It's trying to emulate the look. Which is a fatal mistake that I think a lot of things have run into when they're like, oh, this was a bad adaptation. Guys, the guys, Sonic looks so scary in this it poster. Looks he looks like a scary dude. You know what? It's gonna be. It's gonna be that he's wearing a tracksuit and that he was injected with something called like hedgehog serum, and that's just his hair. <laughs> what? Uh, no, I so think wait, it is taking actually, place on Mobius, um, but whatever. Uh, I think. I think. I think we're onto something though a little bit because Jonathan, you said uh, you didn't just enjoy that. Like, you also need to like. I think um, what we're getting at here is that not only do you need to get the style of something. Need to get that kind of that feel. You need of to know what, what your end goal the, is, and if you have a strong yeah, idea of what feel you want to uh, get, you can better leverage the style and the aesthetics of the thing that you're trying to translate something into to yeah, get like the resu- turn, desired result. It it comes back to artistry. You need to know what your point is. Yeah. So you, it's like kind of like in pixels. Like for each of our, you know, media's, they kind of did that. For pixels, they took uh, the kind of idea of this kind of like nonsensical more fun destruction and paired that with the video game, you know, setting in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Castlevania got kind of like the dichotomy of like good versus evil, the classic like monster hunter versus monster feeling, but also like kind of updating while keeping the video game aesthetics. And then for uh, Search for the Truth, Hunt for the Truth, right? Hunt? Is that hunt the Truth. Hunt the Truth also, I mean, actually this is a weird one because this one seemed to take the idea of hunting for the truth more than the actual source game did, and then the source game seemed to be um, more still, about the gameplay, if I remember. But correctly. I would, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. But, but I would say though that um, from what I know of the books, and I don't know if you agree with this, Colin, that it's, and I, I, th- I think you do, um, oh, that it's sure, still very, it very much felt though like it belonged in the Halo universe. Yeah, the, the hunt the truth did. But there's every time it, where I was it, like, oh, well, Halsey would never put it like that. But I was like, yeah, that sounds like something Halsey would say. You know? it, it did. And again, that cons- conspiratorial attitude is reflected in the game universe a lot because Master Chief's character comes from a tragic, really messed up background. But this sort of elucidates a point where this is a rebuttal to our episode Backflip the Movie about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Backflip the Movie, I loved it. Talk, talking about bad video game adaptations. In that episode, I represented the 2016 Assassin's Creed movie. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> so coming off of how Hunt the Truth does feel like it fits in the universe and Jonavi's point of how you need to have a vision to articulate your feeling of the source material. Assassin's Creed is, I think, the best argument for that because the movie wasn't very good. And it wasn't any kind of good, really. I, I don't I don't think it was a very good film, mostly for like just, you know, writing and directorial purpose. I just don't think that they wrote a very good film. But it it felt like it could be in the Assassin's Creed universe. The guy playing it played the Assassin's Creed game and visually he was able to communicate a lot of the visceral parts of playing those games. I would argue that it came very close to it, feeling like it would belong. It was, came closer than most things out there. But it still wasn't sufficient for it to be good. Yeah, so, it was still yeah. still an unenjoyable movie. 
like new like numerically yeah. f- financially kind of a failure on a lot of fronts so i mean t- t- for all our points there are examples of things that do exactly what we're saying and and still fail yeah, and but castlevania like, yeah. succeeds i was about to say that how come uh and i don't want to attribute all the success of castlevania to uh adi shankar but I felt that a, an element that I think heavily helped it was the fact that, like, Warren Ellis, the writer, is a comic book writer, you know, who wrote it, mm-hmm. uh, wrote the series. Uh, Addison Carr loves this series. He's, you know, at least presents himself as a very big nerd and kind of has a, you know, a passion yeah. for these kind of nerdy uh, fandoms and stuff. I think he had an interview that was called uh, Fandom is Our New Religion. Something, something, religious text fanfic joke. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh so I just I think that a certain element is it's not only it's not only just about making a good adaptation. It's also about making a good movie or a good, you yeah. know, web series or a good short Cause film. Cuz if it's not even but a I good think, piece of media, then it can't be a good adaptation. Exactly. Making an adaptation for the sake of making an ad- adaptation is no way a guarantee of making it good or even uh it's almost a guarantee of making it bad. And but I do think that a certain I don't want to say respect, but a certain uh, passion for the source material uh, needs, or a certain understanding, I should say, of the source material needs to kind of shine through for adaptions to be successful. And I think yes. that's what allowed the ones that we've discussed to be to be uh, successful. And that is the conclusion to Keenan's high school graduate essay. Yes, in this essay. <laughs> uh, if only... Keenan just got the nerds to do his homework for him. No, the nerds, ha. All right, so uh, so now we're going to move on to the rating section in which... Uh, thank you all for you know such a great uh, discussion, gory uh, discussion. Yeah, now we move on to having our representatives rate uh, the topic on a scale of one to five uh, night creatures, mm-hmm. which I night thought would be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, Jonathan because... likes her night to hurt, so how is this gonna? <laughs> no, it's great because it's because it's so gory. It's so, like you can give half oh. a night creature. You get it? Okay. I'm a genius. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and then next I will award a uh, golden star afterwards to the person who I think uh, best embodied this episode, and that will be in the form of the golden whip. But you know, don't get don't get started. Now I want my nights to hurt. You know, (laughs) about to say I didn't want to do a whip, but I just thought that was too perfect. Anyway, okay, so I go first. I was very, I was on the fence about whether or not I was going to rate this. Um, a five night creature at all or not. <laughs> oh, and really? the reason being is as I have said in this episode and in this show in the past I take a lot of issue with the stylistic and cultural conventions around anime its production and its consumption those are completely me problems more than anything it's that just something true. I don't enjoy and we all have something we don't enjoy Uh, This show, like Avatar The Last Airbender, is not strictly an anime, and all the things that that are not an anime about it are the things that I like the most, uh, at least when it comes to the visual production. So I was considering rating it five, and have been considering... 
I have been but... considering rating it five because it pulled the magic trick of being able to get past a presentation I dislike to make it something that I overall kind of enjoyed in the way I really enjoy Avatar The Last Airbender the same way. But then you showed me that fucking video of Adi Shankar. (laughs) And like, oh my God. I, I, again, nothing against what he can do. I don't know him personally. I don't, it, it very much seems like he's putting on a show personality. But that just tipped the scale enough for me to keep it at a four. This is Comes a four out of five night creatures. A, a bit of the typical The YouTube first thing he yeah, says is, yeah. I'm not from this timeline. I'm from the future. Dead serious, no punchline. All right, what do you what do you want me That's, to do with that? That, what, that is how a little do I cringy. Digest I didn't that? see this, but... It's, it's it's a it's just a strange form of like existential dysmorphia that you are projecting into into your outward persona that is supposed to make people like what you do. Thirty p confirmed existential dysmorphia. Let's go. <laughs> so that yeah, it does, just really rubs me the wrong way. come off as like your YouTube, your YouTube influencer, quote unquote, which I don't it, believe yeah. is a real thing. But like whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's exactly what it felt like. But yeah, so uh, four out of five. Okay, for for Adi Shankar's projected personality. I love it. Yes. Uh, All right. So, John, I mean, what did you, uh, how many night creatures would you summon up to? uh... Um, I'm going to go with three night creatures and one gory carcass. So, like, three and a half. Um, (laughs) Good, 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 good. good. Someone met the Belmont. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, Meet the Belmont starring Ben Stiller. Oh, no. And Richard Armitage. Please. Please no. But anyway, the um, my rationale is that while I did sort of enjoy it passively as something to consume, I don't think that I have, like, I don't have the same nostalgic attachment to Castlevania because I honestly had not even really heard of it until I knew that we were going to do this episode. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's one of the hard ones. Yeah, so I, um, I'm not very video game literate, <laughs> but anyway... So, so I didn't, I didn't have the, the nostalgia judgment? factor drawing me to it. So I just, I was like, all right, straight up, do I think this is good or not? And it had some of my, it, it started off well. I was disappointed that we couldn't follow, um, cool lady who's like, oh yeah, I want to do science and heal people. Cause I was like, oh, like that's refreshing. And then like, no, just kidding. This is not going to be a show about that. We're going to kill her off immediately and have her be the impetus for somebody else being really mad about something. And then we're going to have like, okay. And then we have like a monster hunter show. So, I mean, I know that might reflect what the game is, but I was disappointed because I felt like it was a bait and switch. I was like, oh, here's a compelling brave lady. And then all of a sudden, no. Fuck you, she is just gonna be man fuel for man feelings. And I'm like, great. Uh, I, w- I, w- I will say <laughs> though, if you knew like anything about the series, uh, that, that bait switch would not have been there uh, for you. <laughs> right. But I don't think anyone ever, I've ever said, like, been like, oh, man, I really thought Castlevania was gonna be this feminist icon. <laughs> It just it it became about hunting Dracula for some reason. <laughs> I would love though if yeah. all feminist icon movies turn into that though. Yeah. Like so. It, it, like, I I I have to, to say that part of my rating is due to that disappointment, and then the other part of the the why I would take away a little bit of my my stars, my dead creatures, my my hellhounds, is because I don't tend to like things that lean into melodrama. 
And I don't yeah, tend to fair. like things that like lean into um, extremely kind of like extremely pristine character arcs and that seemed like what the first four episodes were doing it was just like all right i know what kind of characters this is i know what's gonna happen um so i'm i'm sure if i it maybe if i continued to watch the show some of that would be further developed upon but for this first like four episode arc i was just like all right this was too this was too clean plot wise there weren't and there wasn't enough twisting in it for me even though i, I did like that's... a lot about it <laughs> I agree with that analysis, but I don't think it affects my rating because even though I haven't played Castlevania, that's what made it feel like a video game to me, mm -hmm. where you as the player would need to be able to proceed through actions free of moral quandary if you're going to keep killing things, which is the point of the game. Oh, I see. Uh, and so I think something about it allowed me to latch on to how would I play this if well, it what if you just wanted to kill I was things in the form of the game because it. you just like murder? But you can in real life, so you know. Then get GTA. Well, I think that's, okay. That that's that. I think that's kind of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that that you have to wrestle with. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> no, I liked uh, I liked both of your uh, your analysis. I thought they were very fair. Um, I'm not fair. I'm dark. Melanin, you know. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about as fair as my walls. Uh, you know, I would enjoy if most media turned into like a vampire hunt, but that's just me. <laughs> You know, You're gonna have to explain uh, your hatred of vampires to me one day. No, he loves them. That's the no, problem. No, I'm not gonna get into it because it should be obvious. One, <laughs> two, it's too long. Uh, well, I mean, why your your special hatred? I need to. Uh, we we I need a whole new podcast for that. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we will talk about it after. But I would like to say that uh, I think you guys would really, really enjoy what happened as they were as the series was developed further. Because as we know, most uh, like anime and like animated series typically follow like a ten to twelve episode format. Yes, More, I, I do like, not know this. Well, usually like anime for me, usually, animated like, series means Family Guy and Adventure Time. Ah, see, all right. Well, usually for like it's like a twelve or like twenty-four yes. episode format, and like a lot of like TV shows <laughs> in general kind of follow that. You know, like that's how many usually are in an episode. And Warren Ellis did design these first four as just. Um, it's a prologue. Yeah, like that's and that's that's what a lot of people had an issue with, and I, I take issue with that as well because you didn't present a finished project. Project kind of well, like Hunt the Truth, where they're like, "Hey, you're gonna get a really cool thing." <laughs> Just yeah, <kidding>. right. Um, <laughs> we yeah, had an I, idea that yeah. we didn't do. Yeah, but I think you would enjoy what they do. They focus, like I said, mostly on Dracula's court, and there's a lot of intrigue there for your twisty. Yeah, he stuff. loses a but fang, also, and then they find a series called Hunt the Tooth. <laughs> Stop it. But uh, Keenan, but no, uh, I that was, was very say, good. But Keenan, how did we do this week? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was just going to say that. Like, I think you all, all enjoyed that. But anyway, uh, I think you guys did really good. I'm really proud of you. Oh, thanks, uh, Daddy. Keenan. Uh, I'm really, you know, happy with this episode overall because I honestly, I originally had a different topic planned, but then I don't think, but I, the, uh, the original people I had didn't really. Uh, work with what I wanted to do, so I, you know, you can't kinda, work with these actors. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about like dubs versus subs, and like you know. Oh I yeah, really, I'd be horrible. Yeah, for yeah that, I exactly. But anyway, um, how do you feel I about dubbed podcasts versus subbed podcasts? I think dubbed podcasts are trash. <laughs> only, only, I only, I only read the subs of podcasts. Uh, I challenge makes you your to, drive to work hand. a little more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I'm sad tracking. How did we do? 
I, I'm trying to get to that. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, Forgive me, Daddy. Um, I think the golden rip. Um, oh will... God, I don't like that juxtaposition. Uh, you want me to come up with something else? Is that what you want? No, I. It's that I said, Daddy, I right before you said Golden like or it. you know something. Like... The subtext is you? strong with this one. You know. God, just go enslaved or something. I don't know. Like, you know, find if there's ads on, you know, Craigslist, I'm sure you can answer. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think um, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna give it to Colin. Ooh. That is two for two anime gold stars for this anime hater boy. Not so much for your like analysis. Uh, <laughs> uh, mostly because one, I like your perspective on like the adaption coming from like a good adaption and like to like maybe not like an as well received source material um and also because of your analysis of uh castlevania and i think that honestly leads credence to castlevania because even you who probably let's be honest like only like half pay attention to most of it just because i was trying not to watch honestly because yeah, watching cause anime like, is like uncomfortable for me yeah yeah i know so i'm like, really whining but whatever but still if they had enough for you to dissect i think that's good and donovan you became you got really close because i also super this was a very hard one for me honestly because i also really enjoyed uh Jonavi's, uh points you know also about like just the aesthetics and about like the artist's vision as well as you know how maybe uh adaptions should be kind of like shifted in focus. I also uh, like did I said, this, pick a two-minute subject, so. <laughs> yeah, but still, but you still had so much to say about it. You Let, know? Let's discuss the moral representation of the plight of humanity as represented in 2010's Pixels versus the good and evil Chiaroscuro <laughs> oh, presentation of dude, Castlevania let's go. 2017. Uh, I will be yeah. a whiny pedant. It'll be great. Yeah, and basically, you know, they, 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 they have it. That's why I chose you guys. It was tough, though. It was tough. All right, everyone. So you know that's uh, that's that's the end of uh, our episode. Thank you for listening to the Common Kiki program. I am your host, Keaton Koish, and you can find me uh, in my domain, my castle, my my uh, an emissary will be sent to you. You simply need to think of it. Uh, don't be scared just because they have like four eyes and are nothing but a ball of tentacles. Uh, just tell them your like info, and he will report back to me. Uh, again, I am joined by my friends. Hi, my name is Colin Ketchin. You can find me online at Sana Colin K in a variety of capacities. And I'm wondering, where are the eyeballs if it is a ball of tentacles? Listen, you guys. At the see, end of the Eldritch, tentacles. It, Come on. It's an Eldritch horror. I can't explain it. It's, it's like a beholder from Dungeons and Dragons. Lovecraft even like couldn't explain half of his like fucking descriptions. You know, he was like, he just a run on sentence about how like it was tall, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I don't he, know. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't done Lovecrafting. <laughs> and and then Jonavi. Yeah, and then uh, hi, I'm I interrupted, but I'm Jonavi, <laughs> and um, you just don't don't find me. I'll find you. I work for the government. Don't find me. <laughs> don't look for me. I love it. Yeah, this is terrifying. Great. Uh, next week, our episode will be hosted, I believe, by Jonathan, right? Or Yeah, I'm doing the common briefing program, wherein we'll talk about geek news and shit. It'll be great. All right, and that will come out next Friday, which is, what is next Friday, guys? Do we all know? Do we know what next Friday is? I don't guys, know. Guys, uh, I don't know who's now? editing this. Put it in in editing. 
Uh, yeah, put it in editing, guys. Uh, you want me to just ramble off a bunch of, let's go, uh, December. Let's give, all, let's give you all the dates December, that you need. December, and- 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, Wait, no, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, or January. Uh, I hate 1, you so much. 2, it's going to come out on 4, December 21st. 5, 6, 7, is, hey, 8, 9, enjoy your 10, Yuletide 11, season 12, 13, celebrating 14, 15, 16, the holidays 17, 18, 18, 19, with this gory 20. kink fest of a podcast. What did you say? December 26th? First. December 21st uh, is when that will be coming out. Editor's note. No, guys, that episode will air on the 4th of January. You are only off by two weeks. Uh, that's, that's the next Sorry, one. Sorry, editors. Program, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and follow us on, of course, on uh, Facebook or Twitter at Geeking Program. Uh, any engagement such as scaring, uh, sorry, scaring, uh, any engagement <laughs> such as sharing a post, tagging us, or tweeting hashtag CGP will enter you into a raffle where you get picked, uh, you get to pick the topic for a future episode. If you give me a good spook, you can be on the show. <laughs> Reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a critical way to help our, uh, growing show, and we'll read new reviews on the air anyways. Thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing. Uh, everything and most of all for killing vampires <laughs> and we'll thought we'll talk to you next this episode of the common geeking program was hosted by keenan kodish joined by the representatives colin ketchin and Jonathan Iyer. this episode is sponsored by editing on christmas decidedly after the 21st of december podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me, Jeff, as well as Matt Canavan, and featuring original music by Colin Ketchin. Next week will be another geek news episode called The Common Briefing Program, so be sure to tune in for that on January 4th. Again, that is January 4th. And as always, thank you for listening to this. Recording. Wonderful. Now I, you have a lovely um, view of my elbow since I can't find a good place to put my. <laughs> it's better than the yeah. elbow I've got. Mine's all sweaty. I was I playing some Smash Bros and I got real tensed up. Oh cool. <laughs> my gosh. This is a level of game athleticism I don't understand. Yeah, uh, I actually registered two minutes of exercise on my fitness tracker <laughs> by playing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Damn. Never knew I could clench so hard. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the title. I never knew I could clench so hard. <laughs> Not a biography by Colin Ketchum. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't read it, but i definitely go, hmm, that's a cool title, and then keep walking. So, you know. so that means there's people who would buy it based on the title. Ha, 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 ha.